All right, a couple milestones to talk about today on the podcast. So we had our first listener in the Southern Hemisphere last week. I'm not sure who you are, someone in the Silverwater area of Sydney, Australia, but thank you for listening. Even if it's someone playing around with your VPN just to humor me, I salute that. And I look forward to getting on the board in Africa, South America, and Antarctica. Now, another first, perhaps more important, our first female guest. Rather than profiling a dad and learning about their area of expertise, then hearing about their backstory and approach to parenting, I decided to change it up a little bit when bringing in Michelle to give us an hour and a half chat that was jam-packed with practical advice for connecting dads with their daughters on a deeper level so that we really understand where their hearts and minds are. Michelle almost reminds me of my aunt. She's very fun and energetic. If you're a dad with a daughter, you definitely don't want to miss this one. I will say that Michelle and I are both guilty of making some broad generalizations around gender roles and stereotypes. Nonetheless, I hope you'll enjoy the conversation and you can see the value in a plethora of practical takeaways. I already tried out one of her conversation starters and it resulted in a deep discussion with my daughter that we wouldn't have otherwise had. Enjoy. Michelle, thanks for being here. Oh, I'm glad to be here. Finally, we get to connect. Thanks, Sean. That's right. You're our first female guest, so thanks Woo-hoo. for being here. That's awesome. I love it. I mean, why not, right? I've, I've spoken at men's conferences where they're like, we've never had a woman join us, you know? And one of my favorites last year was one of the guys said to 300 men, like, this woman deserves a standing ovation because she had the guts to come into this tribe and stand here in front of y'all. And they stood up and I literally had tears streaming down my face, which I thought, oh my gosh, I'm being total female here to cry. But it so caught me off guard that they were so generous in the way they welcomed me. So hopefully your listeners, once they kind of hear my heart and maybe get some real practical ways to engage their daughters, will say, okay, we'll let her in just this one time. Oh yeah, you're you're welcome. Uh, so happy to have you on here. Um, you're a you're a professional counselor and you have a PhD in, in health psychology and one of your titles is the dad whisperer, which is how yeah. I found you. I thought that was cool. It's like, man, I want to talk to her. <laughs> so tell us a little about yourself and and how did you begin working with dads of daughters, especially? Yeah, sure. Well, I'm I'm the oldest of four girls. I'm 60 years old. How's that for crazy? That I like sometimes it's like, how can I be that old? And I've been mentoring and counseling girls in some format or some form since I was 19. So I've been in that space for a long time. And then about a decade ago, it was one random day that I just happened to be reading this verse in the Bible um, that said that a dad named Zechariah was going to have a son named John. And God told him that your son's going to help turn the hearts, not the heads, but the hearts of fathers to their dot, you know, to their children. And I just kind of got this download that I was supposed to step into that space and help dads engage their daughter's hearts. So the next month, this was out of the blue. I got the download to call it the ABBA project. ABBA means daddy in Aramaic and men love a project, right? (laughs) True or false? (laughs) 
Yeah. Tell me what to fix and how to fix it. And I'm like, I will do that. And I invited 11 dads whose daughters at the time were in their teens or their 20s and said, you want to join me, you know, once a month for six months to see what happens in your relationship. And 10 of the 11, Sean, said, we're in. That's a good close rate. As a, I'm in sales, right? and uh, yeah, oh. that's pretty impressive to have ten out of eleven. So you must be, um, they must be close friends or really like you. Well, well, let me even give a third option: is that their daughters were seeing me for counseling because of problems in their lives, and I think these dads are like, we don't even know what to do to help. No, I get that. Yeah, that's a great. Uh, that makes sense. You know, motivated. I, I found men are often motivated by crisis or need, so they're like. I need to know what to do to fix it. And my, you know, my daughter's in crisis. And so these guys came and my one holdout, by the way, did show up to the second group the next year. But we ended up, long story short, going a whole year. And month by month, I wrote the curriculum. I gathered it from other people or wrote it myself and had nothing to go from, you know, which is kind of fun, right? Let's just jump in and jump in the deep end and figure it out as we go, which is really my challenge to men. You're right. Your daughter didn't come with a playbook but I'm going to help you write one. And so hmm. with pen in hand, you know, I have a new book that just came out last week called Let's Talk Conversation Starters for Dads and Daughters. And my first book came out six years ago called Dad, Here's What I Really Need From You, A Guide for Connecting With Your Daughter's Heart. And the second one, Sean, you know, 60 Scripts for Dads to Lead Conversations was born out of the coaching that I've done with dads for a decade in this group forum. We now meet nine months at a time once a month. I've done it for 10 years. And these dads of daughters come saying, what do I do? What do I say? I, I, I seem to sometimes get it wrong. And I've kind of made that observation. Tell me what you think of this from 10 years of traveling, traveling from my planet of Venus, right? Men are from Mars, women are from Venus to your planet. But I've, I've really observed that men would often rather do nothing than do it wrong. So... When you you, so you're saying with when talking with their daughter or approaching the subject of working with their daughter, they're thinking, I don't want to screw this up. And maybe while thinking of a plan or, or getting distracted and somehow just not approaching and engaging with their daughters as much as they otherwise should. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Or, or in anything in life, you know, men want to be competent. And so if they've already sized something up, I think you guys are often smart enough to say not worth the risk like back off. And so sometimes dads then send mom in going, I'm smart enough to know I'm making it worse because that caused a big explosion. You know, let's avoid that next time here, mom, you go in, you're a girl. And I'm saying, dad, really your daughter needs you more than you may know and mm. more than she may know, but she really needs your male energy and your presence. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be present. And so I'm all about whispering, hence the name The Dad Whisperer, which another radio host gave that name to me about six years ago, said, you should be called like The Dad Whisperer. And it sort of stuck. And then I had another guy go, you know, we as men don't like women shouting at us. <laughs> so I don't know how you whisper, but I'm like, well, I'm just saying, okay, say it like this and I'm going to give you the words and I think you're going to have a different conversation. And then if your daughter hates it, blame me and I'm your fall guy. And they're like, I'm good with that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. that's how all of this started and how it's still going. So four years now I've done radio and podcasting called The Dad Whisperer. And I still lead men's groups and I write books and speak at conferences. And I'm all about 
really championing men, championing dads to say, you matter. You've got to get in there. And even if it's hard, which it is, and you feel disempowered at times or not even qualified to engage your daughter's heart. You want to give her information for her head. It's actually your heart that needs to turn. And, and I'm going to give you practical tools to make that happen, to build your confidence and your competence. Hmm. I like that. Yeah, I like the positivity around the role of fathers. And you said that they um, daughters need the masculinity and um, that presence in their life. What are some of the benefits that you see of a daughter having a dad in her life? I am so glad you asked that question because there may be some listening that love research and data, but girl, like, give me the facts. Because if I just went off of what my daughter's telling me at age 16, she doesn't want anything to do with me. She just wants her friends or she's dating a guy and now I'm in the backseat of life. She's just mm -hmm. off and running and saying, dad, get away. A dad may doubt that he matters or has value because his daughter isn't telling him this. So how about just between us? You know, we're just going to have a conversation and equip you as a dad, put some tools in your fathering toolbox to engage her heart more effectively and really to, to I want to build you up as men. So here is what the research says. So back to what your question was, is like, why do dads matter essentially? Okay, bottom line, every area of a daughter's life is better when she feels connected to her dad. So I know I'm a shrink, right? I've, my day job is counseling. And I'm like, did you notice dads? The emotional word feels connected. And I have a lot of dads that go, no, we're close. You know, me and me and my daughter, were close. And even I asked my dad that question probably about five years ago. I go, dad, do you think we're close? Like, according to your definition, you know what he said? Probably not as close as you'd like us to be. Mm. Like, I know that's exactly it. Because I go, we don't talk deep enough. Like, we, we do things, but we don't talk deep. I like going deep vulnerable, honest, raw, you know, and that's not quite his jam. That's more me, you know? So, yeah. you know, how do you connect with a daughter that's really different than you? How do you connect with a dad that's different than you? Well, let me tell you what the research says first. So daughters who feel connected to their dads, here's what the research says. She will do better in school, get better grades, and she's more likely to finish high school and attend college. There you go, dad. You want your daughter to be educated, to pursue her dreams, connected to you. That's what has something to do with it. Number two, experiences greater self-esteem. So you want a daughter who knows who she is. She has confidence. She's able to stand up and stand alone and walk in front of her peers and lead the way. Hello, connection to you. Okay, you want more? You want me to keep going? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, she will have significantly less suicide attempts this is daughters across the board. Research confirms it. She will have less body dissatisfaction and healthier weight. I mean, mm. I've worked with eating disorders. I've had an eating disorder. Who would ever think that there was a correlation between a strong father-daughter bond and her weight and her assessment of her body? Hello, that is across the board a big thing with women. Mm -hmm. I, I hardly ever meet a woman whether they're someone I mentor in the last 40 plus years or counsel who says, I love my body. I'm so healthy in this body I have. But again, a feeling of connection to dad and that solid dad-daughter bond helps her 
accept whatever size her body is. Go dad. Okay, here's more. She will delay having premarital sex, and there's, which then subsequently there are decreases in teen pregnancy. Again, Sean, would you have ever thought or have you ever read an article that says a daughter who feels connected to her dad, that this is actually a contraceptive? Who would have, in, in essence, ever thought a strong father-daughter bond would actually decrease teen pregnancy mm. and have her delay premarital sex? Come on, dad. You want your daughter to wait? Spend more time with her. Keep the conversations going bond with her. Have you ever read anything on that? I have not. No. Nor have I. Okay. I'm not even done. Come on. That's, I really want you to hear what I'm saying about why you matter. Daughters who feel connected to their fathers also are more likely to find steady employment. You can pick a girl out of a lineup. I've had this conversation with fathering leaders across the nation and with dads that come to my groups every year and say, can you pick a girl out of a lineup or a woman who has more confidence than others? They always say, yes, those are who we will hire. I'm like, have you ever heard her father's story? You almost always can trace it back to her dad believed in her, championed mm. her, supported her dreams, funded the things she was interested in. Yep, all has to do with dad. Not that mom doesn't matter, but again, really right. different, right? When it's dad, which I know you have a real passion for this or you wouldn't be you know, doing this podcast on dad conversations. I mean, yeah, yeah. you and I beat to the same drum on that one. Okay, a couple more. Daughters who feel connected to their dads report less depression. Okay, that's a big one. Lower rates of substance use, drugs and alcohol, because a daughter isn't either trying to numb some unhealed wounded places, woundedness from her dad, or filling a void where dad isn't there, or she's not just either numbing out or filling a void. I mean, again, all has to do with dad. Last thing I'll mention, though I could go on, is when a daughter feels connected to her dad, has a positive relationship, she displays empathy and more pro-social behavior, which if we ever needed that in our country, it's now. So I say, dad, in case you don't feel like you're being validated enough in your role, take it from me. I am cheering you on. Sean is cheering you on. And we're saying you matter, you have value, and you're the one your daughter needs in, your, in her cheering section. That's awesome. That is really cool. What So... Um, and first thing I feel like compelled to say, cause I feel like my mom, my wife is amazing. And, and many of the, like my f most favorite people in the world are typically all women. Um, and, and in general women are, I mean, I love, love my wife, my mom, sisters, everything like that. But, um, you know, part of the reason I wanted to start the podcast is like, Hey, men have, uh, good, you know, good qualities. And then, and, uh, it's good to be, it's okay to be masculine and that's a healthy thing. And like, you mentioned all of those positive uh, outcomes associated with having a close relationship with, with a dad. What is it about dads that leads to all of those or that is correlated with success in those outcomes? Well, I think some of it just fundamentally has to do with the fact that a dad has a way of touching the core of his daughter's life. And granted, you know, I can cite the research all day, but I'm saying, dad, ask your daughter what, you know, on a scale of zero to 10, how much does my view of you impact the way you see yourself? I'm telling you, dads, you're going to find your daughter 
If she's not been wounded by you, she'll probably say nine or 10, eight, nine, 10. If she's been wounded by you and puts a wall up, she may say, I don't care what you think. But you know what? It's a lie. There's something in the core, I believe, of every daughter, of every son who needs her dad, needs his dad to confirm and affirm who he or she is. And you think about the fact that most of us share the same last name as our dad. So that has to do with identity, who we are and whose we are, right? That family name is, I believe, woven into the depths of who we were created to be. And a dad is who provides that. Hmm. Interesting. It's funny that you're mentioning a few of those items and and um, some of the disconnects that can happen when when with dads reaching out to daughters. And I think about my my kids, where my two oldest boys uh, or two oldest kids are boys, and then there's a girl close behind. Mm-hmm. And as they get older, it's interesting how the boys can be in a situation where whatever the circumstances are, what's in in front of them, and what I know what they're. It's like I just know what they're thinking. Yeah, yeah. It's like I I know. I don't know how I know, but it's like I can just relate to that because I was in that situation before or um, it's become very clear to me that I do not have that same ability with my daughter. And in fact, if I think I'm like, you know, she could be in whatever setting or, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I know it's on her mind. If I think I do and, I'm, and then it turns out I'm totally wrong. Like, I just don't <laughs> get it. It's so different. Um, I don't, and I, I guess it's just a gender thing. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. And that's where. I would say to dads listening is humble yourself and ask for help and input from some female, whether it's your wife or if you're divorced, it might, that might not be someone you would ask is your kid's mom. Ask your sister, ask an aunt of yours, ask your mom, ask a coworker for input on your daughter. Because yeah, I think it does have to do with what planet you're from and what planet we're from. And even though, you know, right now our country is all over the place, right, with gender and what that means and where we're at. But still, at the end of the day, get input from another, you know, woman that you respect to help you better understand your daughter going like, hey, at 12, what do you remember wishing that your dad would have done with you? Because I asked mm-hmm. my daughter and she says nothing. Well, welcome to 12. You know, you got all the hormones changing in your in your body and your brain. In fact, some experts call that juvenile puberty. It's almost like at 12, 13, pre-adolescence, adolescence, you're back where you were when you were two. Your daughter will be there where she would say, no, mine. You know, <laughs> it's like one word, you know, temper tantrums and you can't get a word in out of her, maybe a word in edgewise or a word out of her. Well, dad, it's because she doesn't know what she thinks either. She doesn't know what mm. she needs because all of... All of those hormones, estrogen is pumping through her brain and her body. It affects her mood, her behavior, and her thinking. So sometimes if you want your daughter to tell you, she may not know. Because I think as girls, we figure things out by talking. Even if your daughter is an introvert, it's kind of how we're wired. And so that's why even in this new book, I'm so passionate about equipping dads to lead the conversation and ask the questions of their daughter on all kinds of themes. Because... If your daughter doesn't like one of the questions, just skip it and go, I know Dr. Michelle came up with this one. It's so super lame. Make fun mm-hmm. of me, bond with her by hating the question, but then move on to the next one. Keep the conversation going. Because what I've found is that when, when a daughter's mouth opens, her heart opens. 
And when a daughter's heart is open, her dad's heart opens. Because tell me if you, if, you know, being married, you know, growing up in a, did you grow up in a big family, Sean? I have a, one older brother and one younger sister. Okay. So you have, you know, you can see how your family dynamics looked, but would you say with your mom or your sister or your wife, can you tell when a woman is closed up, she ain't talking? Or would you say, uh, yeah. hard to tell. How about with your brother, your dad, your sons? Is it hard? Like, would you say, oh, that's not so much a guy thing. Or do you see it with both genders? Mm, I would say some, maybe a little less, uh, less so than with women. Like, am I maybe he's just busy and he's working and he's not right. ra- rather than staying quiet. Bingo. I don't know. Bingo. In fact, I remember a few years ago in my counseling office, there was a husband and a wife, and they were having some problems. And literally, she said, "Well, remember last week when we were coming back from Target, and I was mad at you?" And he he literally goes. When, when are you talking about? She goes, remember we went to go get plants or, you know, seed for a lawn or whatever. And he goes, what? I just thought you were thinking. So here she (laughs) thought she gave him the silent treatment and really, you know, was so obvious. And he literally goes, how would, like, how would I have known you were mad at me if you didn't tell me? And, you know, the, the woman's going, well, why would I have had to tell you? Because it was so obvious. And he's like, well, if it was obvious, I would have gotten it. And she's like, well, you know, and around the hamster wheel they Think go how many confusion. times how many times in human history has that conversation played out <laughs> right right so in 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 essence i'm saying dad don't make assumptions you know make an attempt to open up a conversation with her if you if she won't talk to you right now you might have to put it in a text she's living at home write it on a piece of paper slide it under her door you know find a way to reach her heart because in every area of life most men don't give up at work, in sports. You know, you get you get beat up, knocked down, you get back up. I'm like, but sometimes relationally, men don't carry that same skill set and bring it home. And your daughter sees that. She's like, wow, you you can sustain interest in that, you know, basketball game for two and a half hours without missing a beat. But I talk for two and a half minutes and you're already looking somewhere else, you know? And that goes in saying, I don't think I matter as much because I'm watching where you can sustain interest. I'm watching where you have energy. I'm watching where you put your money. And it sure isn't here with me. And I'm saying, Dad, you set your daughter up to go looking for love in all the wrong places. If you don't consistently get back up and pursue her heart, even if she's the one knocking you down, don't give up. She needs so um, that that rings true, you know, because I, I can I can imagine that um, there's a lot of dads out there who love their daughter and feel like they have a pretty good relationship. Probably like similar answer to maybe the way your dad would say, where if if a daughter asks, "How do we have a close relationship?" I'd say, "I think so, but maybe not as close as you'd like, right?" But but uh, you know, they, yeah, they can spend hours watching a football game or basketball or whatever, but. Um, I think not knowing how to connect and and get into their their heart and mind, like you said, is uh, is a real challenge that we probably don't talk about much. So I thought it was cool to bring you on because you're someone who's a very um, practical and I like how you have like clear suggestions and and um, even scripts that you have in your book, which is a good idea. You know, let me add one more piece to that. Thank you, though, for that is back to that illustration that I gave you about the husband and wife that sat in my office, you know, Mm -hmm. where they clearly missed each other is 
Another way that I say it to dads is that men read lines, women read between lines. So men go, where did you get that out of that? And we're over mm. here going, how could you not get that out of that? Yeah. And I find that men literally, bless your Martian hearts, half the time are going, I have no idea what you're talking about. I have no idea where you got that. And we're over here on our tribe, you know, in a knitting circle. Okay, I'm just being funny. That doesn't even exist anymore. But we're over here in our circle going, did you know what he said? And we're like, I know, right? And you guys can't <laughs> win for losing over here. Going, literally, can someone literally give me, you know, I need a translator. I need a decoder ring. I need yeah. something more than I have. And that's really where I come in saying, how can I build dad's confidence and competence? Well, I'll give them all kinds of themes. Put the words in front of them. Like, for example, in, in my book, do, I hope I don't just sound like I'm pitching it, but I want dads to know about this resource that really will equip them to be the hero they want to be and their daughter yeah. needs them to be, you know? And what uh, to further the pitch, what is your book titled by chance and where can okay. people find it? Okay, so it's called Let's Talk, Conversation Starters for Dads and Daughters, which, by the way, a former graduate of the ALBA Project, I was at a party couple years ago for his, a birthday party for his wife. And we're standing in the back and I go, Steve, you got to help me come up with a title. I just can't land on one I like. And literally he said, well, why don't you just call it? Let's talk. And I'm like, oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> so literally I didn't come up with the name, the dad whisper. I didn't come up with the name. Let's talk. In fact, a little aside, I don't think I've even told this to anyone, but I was so grateful to Steve for coming up with that title that, that I called his wife when I got my advance for my book. And I said, what has he been wanting that he hasn't bought for himself? And it was a new bumper for his pickup that was some cool thing. I'm like, okay, I'm buying that for him. But anyway, I digress. So, you know, back to this thing about in the book, I want dads to be, again, equipped to lead conversations so that their daughter's mouth opens and then her heart opens and then dad's heart is open. And we as women thrive when our hearts are open. And so your daughter can choose a topic in the book, dad, if you don't know what topic she would like, they're in five sections because it's lead her to laugh, lead her to love like herself, and then uh -huh. you give out love to others. Number three is lead her to look, which is looking deeper inside at how she's wired and her personality and love languages and passions. And, you know, I even say, ask her, what are 10 outrageous things you wish you had the nerve to do? Mm. Okay, come on, dad. Help her think bigger than the four walls of your house or the four, you know, boundaries, north, south, east, and west of your city. Because I, 10 years ago, wrote that I wanted to write a book. And I'm like, one, I'd never been an author. I don't, I don't know what that takes to be an author. But I wrote it down. It was outrageous. Hello. I just have now completed my second book. Are you kidding me? Dad, yeah. help your daughter think bigger, wilder, crazier. And if you're a dad who's given to prayer... That could be even become your prayer list for her. If that's mm. something you're so inclined to do when you're like, I don't even know what to pray. Well, there, there's 10 things. Pray them over her or without her if she's not cool with that. But anyway, there's that one, lead her to look. And then the fourth section is called lead her to lament. And then the last one is lead her to listen where you flip the script and the daughter asks the dad questions about his life. Because in the ABBA project, as I've gotten feedback from daughters over the years, they've some, some of them have said, I hate being on the hot seat. Like all my dad's doing is drilling me with questions, which I thought most daughters would love. 
Who knew? So now the daughter can ask dad questions about his life, his romantic history, mistakes he's made, maybe with drug and drugs and alcohol or women or whatever. And yeah. she now has a script and, you know, dad is going to make it appropriate to her age, how much he discloses. But dad, the more you can be human, show your daughter you haven't always gotten it right. It's going to be a good reminder for you. <laughs> oh, yeah. At that age, I guess I wasn't getting it all right. And it helps her know you better. So, again, it strengthens the bond. I really like that because it's really practical down to earth and it's a conversation starter. You know, it doesn't, we don't have, you don't have to follow the exact script, but it's like, Oh, boom, there's a great idea. Tell me about this because I like playing with the kids. Even I find, um, you know, I'm, I always loved wrestling when I was a kid. I like uh -huh. I always wrestle with my kids and my nieces and nephews. And, and it's like, when I'm playing with my boys, um, they, they love it. And my daughter loves it too. And That's she, so she loves cool. to like, you know, wrestle and, and, tickle and be tickled and but at the same time um outside it like i'm my my fun time with her is like typically um physical what we have in common it's like wrestling yeah. tickling chasing but at the same time it's like she's getting older and i'm i kind of know what the boys are interested in what they're excited for what they're afraid of and like it's just natural but i don't know what's next or like so it's good good timing i guess Hey, can I coach you? Because your daughter is how old? She is almost eight. Okay. Well, you and I both know eight eight years old now in this season looks very different than what eight looked like when I was eight, right? Like mm. they're exposed to so much more. Like most daddies say, I want her to stay a little girl and stay innocent. And, and right. yet we live in a culture where, my goodness, you know, we've even seen things now where kids are, you know, walking in protests with signs around their Next, because parents are wanting their kids exposed to more. But my goodness, I think sometimes it's too much for their age to know how to process some of that intensity. But let me just coach you for a minute on what I love hearing is the physical play that dads have with their daughters. Studies show this. It tends to be more aggressive, more of the roughhousing than moms would do. And it actually enhances brain development physical development, even emotional development, right? Cause she might have mm. to start crying cause that was too rough, but Hey, you're working it. Come on, hun. Let's get, get back on the horse. You know, she's Whereas way tougher than her brothers. Oh, come on. <laughs> she now. is. Yeah. Oh, I love hearing that. But you know what? How long have you been wrestling with her? Not the same as all the rest of them since they were, since they could see, there you go. It's because this is a norm that you've established with her. You talk about, she's tougher than the others. Well, it's not cause you babied her or treated her different, right. you believed in her that she had tough in her. In fact, uh, my best friend's dad, I mean, excuse me, husband, as a dad, three kids, boy, boy, girl. Well, his middle son was one of those criers that, you know, would cry over the roughhousing and, oh, that hurt. And what his dad did, this is my friend, Dave, he would see, he went in probably when Caleb was about nine or 10 and sat on his bed and said, you know what? When I was when I was little and I grew up, my dad gave me something that I still have to this day. He put it on the inside of me. Do you want to know what it is? Here's Caleb. Yeah. He goes, he gave me tough. And he goes, my dad told me we don't just, we're not just, everybody doesn't have tough in them, but it's a dad that gives his kid tough. Do you want me to give you some of mine? And, and Caleb goes, Yeah. So he said his dad put one hand on his chest and one hand on his back. Caleb told me this now as a married adult. 
And he said, <laughs> and I would, he goes, my dad would shake me and make grunting noise. You know, it's going in. And he go, can you feel it going in? He go, yeah, I can feel it going in. <laughs> and he goes, and he said, anytime you need some tough, you just come get me. And Caleb goes, I'm not kidding you. My dad did that for me. Caleb now has two kids, a son and a daughter. He said, my dad knew how to put tough in me that I didn't have because of the way he engaged with me physically. So I told you I was going to coach you right now. Part one is don't give up wrestling with your daughter. But guess what that leads to in the dad-daughter space? What do you do as a dad when your daughter starts developing? Because I have had dads in my group one time. I wish you could be there right now because if there was a, I wish there was a camera rolling and that you could have been there, Sean, because you would probably tell the story because I cover body image with the dads in the Yava project, right? Because it's a thing. And I had one dad raise his hand. There's 12, I do 12 guys every year, mentor 12 guys. And this guy literally could hardly get the words out. Here's what he goes. He goes, um, okay, Dr. Michelle, can you like give me some input on my daughters are 12, nine, and seven. And he goes, oh, no, excuse me. It was 15, 12, and nine. That was it, a little older. He goes, my 12-year-old daughter, you know, she's, um, um, and he's waving his hands in front of his chest and he can't get the words out. He's like, she's, um, uh, uh well, you know, the middle one, she, and we, I mean, it was painful to see him <laughs> finally get the words out that said, she's more, um, she's more developed. And we She's like, growing up. <laughs> yeah, you said it, you know? And, okay, I'm going to be, this, what I'm going to say right now, you guys that are listening might go, well, that's a little crass. I'm just telling you this as it rolled out, okay? But I find men, what I find refreshing about men are like, can you just say it? Can you not mince words? Just say it straight. And I'm like, okay, I can roll there. So I literally, he goes, what do I do? Because I'm not, I don't know where to touch my daughter anymore. Because I don't want to touch her in the wrong place. And literally I said, you know what? Why don't you men weigh in first and then I'll, I'll go last. Cause I want men to champion other men. You know, you're in the tribe of men. You don't always know that you know more than you know, you know, so come on, I'm opening it up. Literally like clockwork, the guy next to me said, well, you guys, you know, my daughter's 17 and probably about 13, we stopped wrestling. You know, she's packing a couple 38s. <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness. He just said that. That was her bra size, you know? Like, okie dokie, this just happened. It was awesome though, because he, I started laughing and he wasn't laughing. He was dead serious. He just was saying a fact. And he said, but since I've been in the ABBA project, he said, I've noticed that we've started wrestling again and it's been totally cool. Mm. Okay. Really great input. Then like clockwork, the guy on his left said, Hey man, I, I sort of think this is your issue. I doubt it's hers. I'm like, okay, that was good. And guess what the third guy on the right of him said? You know, I think if you start backing off, she's going to start thinking something's wrong with her. It's like, exactly. I would have said that, but then yeah. it was my turn. And I said, okay, you guys, I've never said this to a group of men, but I'm going to keep it real. When I hug my dad, my brothers-in-law, now I can say my husband, but I said, my breasts are not an erogenous zone. When I'm hugging a man and I'm hugging, I mean, hugging you feels the same in all on my shoulder or like, and I don't think they knew that. Hmm. My co-leader goes, where would they go talk about that? You know, I said, well, I'm glad they did it here. But the reason I'm telling dads that today is there may be one or two or three listening that go, 
That's exactly what I've done is I've backed off from my daughter because I didn't want to touch her in a wrong place or an inappropriate place. I'm going to say, dad, you got to pull her close. If she's, she's okay with you hugging her, that safe touch rough will let her know that you affirm her, you accept her, that her changing body is not something you're uncomfortable with. Even if you are, Fake it till yeah. you make it. So there you go. I don't know. What do you think of that? Was that a little too raw for dad conversation? No, I'm, I'm sure there's people out there who um, I, I don't think the, the guy you told the story about is unique. Um, I'm sure that happens. But I think, I don't know. I mean, it, a part, a lot, big part of it's family culture. Like I grew up uh, wrestling with my mom and, and like still messing around with my sister sometimes uh, when we're having like a family get together on the carpet. And I'll be like. You know, still talking trash, but, um, and, and my daughter, you know, she's, uh, one thing I've liked about doing a little bit of Brazilian jujitsu is, um, just learning how to, how to roll around and, um, and rolling around with, with women and men. And it's like, you just kind of get used to it and, you know, you keep, you know, know, don't touch anything you shouldn't and you just go and it's fun. Exactly. I love that. I affirm you in that. I applaud you in that. Keep going, dad. Oh, cool. Well, man, I've got a lot of uh, a lot of areas for improvement. So I didn't intend for this call to be uh, <laughs> me getting but, getting praised. But, you know but thank you. But let me tell you one thing there. Like, I literally wish right now that all of all of your listeners could be seated in the room with you. And it doesn't mean that what I say is going to carry any weight, though. Men have said, well, the letters after your name. That's why we listen to you. I'm like, OK, who knew that would, you know, buy me a buy me a little bit of maybe a confidence booster for them to care what I say, but really more than anything, I'm saying, dad, no matter what message you've gotten from wherever you've gotten, it could be your family of origin. It could be your dad wasn't an affirmer. I want to affirm you as men, because I think we often catch people doing it wrong, but we forget to applaud when they do it right. And Mm. maybe if that's the kind of home you grew up in, where you knew what was expected, you heard about it when it was wrong, you maybe don't realize the benefit of positive affirmation, and then you don't give it perhaps to your daughter or your son. So I want to affirm you, Sean, can you stand with me in that, us standing here affirming dads for the times they do get it right. And it's worth celebrating that. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Yeah. So, Hey, let's go to an area where I definitely do need some help. And, um, we, one thing we've tried to do is a daddy daughter dates and, we came up with it. We're like, oh, we've heard about it. That's good. Uh, you know, get some one-on-one time and do something fun. And we'll go, you know, get some, maybe get some ice cream or go get lunch. And then we'll we'll talk and then maybe go to the, you know, go to Target and pick up a toy or something. Yeah. And um, I was like, all right, this is cool. Well, sure enough, it makes perfect sense. All of a sudden that turned into, oh, daddy daughter day. Dad, what are you going to buy me today? You know? And it's like, I... Um, I try to carry on a good conversation and, and everything, but, um, any tips for, for a daddy daughter dates? Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, you had good intentions to buy the toy, but you get to redirect now what the focus is of, of that daddy daughter date time. And so I would say, and even ask you, like, what would you say your intended purpose is? bonding getting you know getting one on quality one-on-one time bingo it has nothing to do with the toy so you can redirect and set the expectations when you invite her on on the daddy daughter date and say you know what hun 
I realized that this has kind of gone in a direction that I didn't, I want this to be about you and me bonding and getting closer, not to be a focus on what you can get and what I can buy you. So I'm going to dial back on that and we're not going to do target anymore at the end. I would rather do something where we're still talking and having fun and laughing and connecting. So I would pull that out now, but tell her so that she knows why that's happening. And, you know, I, that even reminds me, this, this is kind of an indirect answer to your question, Sean, but it may be something that an older dad needs to hear right now is I had a dad come to me who was in the group who said, my eighth grade daughter is driving me crazy with how self-centered she is right now. Everything is me, me, me. What can I get? You know? Mm. And I said, well, for starters, just so you know, that's actually appropriate development. That's that age. You know, again, remember latent toddlerhood, juvenile puberty, different names for it. It's kind of like toddlerhood all over again. Like you're a juvenile, you're a little kid again. So that me, mine, my is somewhat age appropriate. Just know that for the next few years, that's there. Try to not put her down for it every time. Aren't you the most self-absorbed, you know, narcissistic child? No. (laughs) Yeah, their brains aren't done developing. They still got another decade. Bingo. Yeah, not until 25, that frontal lobe where they think and make good decisions. So dad, you don't want to find a way to redirect, not put her down for that. But here's what I said to this dad. You want to hear that? That's a good point because I could totally see myself like sarcastically (laughs) making fun of the kids for for being really self-centered. That's totally something I do. So so you think, okay, how does a dad redirect? You know, because I think at work, think about your job. You're probably not putting down your customers. You are in your head, but not to their face. Okay, do the same thing with your kids. Like anything you say can and will be used against you. So watch that mouth. But anyway, back to this piece. So I said to this dad, you want to hear the antidote about how to have your daughter not be so self-absorbed? He's like, yes, tell me. I said, she needs to start volunteering. That's Mm. how she will get the focus off of herself and onto others. He goes, love it, love it. But I said, I'm not done. He goes, what? I said, you need to do it with her. (laughs) It's a win-win bonding for both of you as together you give to others outside of yourself. Guess what he said? Not going to happen. He's more of an introvert. He's like, nope. And I give dads in the ABBA project every year a whole list of ways they can volunteer. I mean, you could do things that have to do with the Department of Agriculture, right? With doing beach cleanup. I live in Oregon. So we have that. Yeah, there's so many ways to serve. Absolutely. And so I'm saying that might be a thing that you do on a daddy-daughter date now is going, hey, it kind of got off course onto what can I get it might be, hey, hon, let's let's creatively come up with a way that we could volunteer together so that you're not telling her not to look at toys. You're helping redirect her to look at the needs of people or animals or the land. And I'm saying, dads, you have such power for good if you can join your daughter by leading her in the direction you want her to go. And I read a, a study once where teenagers said, our parents tell us everything to say no to but they never tell us what to say yes to. So if you find that you're in a season with your daughter of a lot of correcting, no, don't do that. No, don't sleep with boys. No, don't do drugs. Is what are you doing to engage her in the yeses? That might be a word that somebody needs to hear today. Yeah, that's a good point. It gets back to uh, identifying some things that you're excited about or things they want to work on, helping them develop and, and being involved with them in that. 
Yeah, my dad and I one time did Habitat for Humanity where I was like, Dad, you love to build. You know, you've been doing that since you were a young kid in Chicago. I mean, my dad grew up on the south side of Chicago. He was in gangs from the time he was 12. You know, three different last names among the seven kids. You know, his dad died as an alcoholic of gangrene. He was homeless. He worked for the railroad and then was homeless and would live in boxcars. I mean, the way his he was booted out of the house is my dad's mom, my grandma, put an iron on his face when he was drunk. I mean, that's the kind of world he grew up in. I mean, no yeah. template for how to be a father. You know, he did rodeo at like 16, 17 because he would spend summers out, you know, at a, at a corral, at a stables where his friends had horses. I mean, I mean, it's amazing my dad had any direction, but he went into the army because his grandfather was in the army. So it might be granddad's listening right now. It could even be called granddad conversations because the role that a grandfather can have in the life of a granddaughter or a grandson, we don't want to under underestimate the value of a family member. It might be an uncle being that role model. In fact, just last night I had dinner with one of my high school friends that said her son has his 15-year-old niece in their home right now that he's had for two years. So a lot of times it's it's an uncle stepping in, being a father figure. And when you set a course for your kids of where you want them to go by doing it with them and modeling, then it's not just like do as I say, not as I do, but you're doing those things together. I mean, those are the stories you probably could tell them today, Sean, of what you remember doing with your dad when you were 10, 15. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was one of your favorites? Man, when I was, um, I, we used to go around, my dad worked in, uh, in Myrtle beach when I was a little kid and we would go around, um, we'd call it dumpster diving and, uh, literally climb inside of, um, dumpsters and grab, yeah. like, we get all kind of like awesome stuff, man. People are <laughs> throw away. Like, I don't know if yeah. it's just cause they're on, I don't know how all this stuff gets thrown away, but yeah, it was kind of kind of fun. He would just uh, let us watch when he'd go climb in and it was fun. <laughs> you know, what's funny you say that is when I was in college, we did, we called them garbage runs, but it was the same thing, but I'm older than you. Right. So it had a different name. It was, and one of my girlfriends and I were the only two that the guys let go with them. And we would go into dumpsters after hours and find stuff. So Hello, we're kindred spirits at heart. But that's, that's <laughs> or my... maybe were you also very poor at the time? I don't know. Yes. Yep. <laughs> we were yep. so broke. <laughs> right. So were we. Yeah. We. I never grew up with a lot. But you know, I look back and think I don't feel deprived. Maybe you do. No. No. So you know what? A good reminder of you as a dad when you're like, my daughter wants the stuff, but going. Oh, I don't, I don't know that we always do our kids a service, right? By and yeah. I tend my I tend my best friend calls me extravagant. You know, and I told you, I, I just got married for the first time at 60 to a widower and I just inherited, yeah, two months ago, 24 in my tribe. I now have, you know, five children, four of them are married and 14 grandkids now. And then with Ken as well. And he started the National Center for Fathering, Ken Canfield. So here we're kindred spirits, you know, with, with investing in fathers. But I think about this whole thing about how do I now invest in these kids and grandkids, it can't always be with stuff. It's got to be with the, my time, my presence. Yeah, yeah. The you know, which is easier a... said than done when they don't live around here and that kind of thing. But I think, you know, sometimes for dads that are divorced, that they don't get as much face time, right? They're wanting to give gifts to fill in the gap. So mm -hmm. I'm saying, I, I mean, it makes sense 
but I think really being aware of how much how much time are you giving and how much gifts are you giving and where's the balance there is really important. Yeah, on that topic, uh, for those who are remote uh, from the people they love, let's say it's a an uncle or a grandfather or or grandmother or aunt or who you know you got someone who you know you got this tribe of twenty four people right and then let's say someone lives in you know a couple states away you you see them once or twice a year maybe maybe more but um, any suggestions for those people trying to make a meaningful connection and, and impact that younger generation that they care about. Um, and and maybe they do want to check off getting a couple of toys for them because they love the kid yeah, growing course. up. But but you also yeah. want to um, know knowing that the value of a personal relationship can be ten times or a million times more valuable than a than a stupid toy. So mm-hmm. um, any suggestions there for for people in that situation? Sure. And I, I imagine love- a lot of the principles in your book are are just mm-hmm. as valuable in a remote situation. You're absolutely right. And finding a way remotely, you know, you can text, you can do FaceTime or some, you know, form of video to connect or, you know, I'm not trying to promote Marco Polo as an app, but that's one I use a lot now with the kids, grandkids to really in real time, show them where we're at, show them what we're doing to build that bond and that bridge. But here's one of my favorite practical suggestions. And I, I, adapted this from my friend Don Blackwell, who wrote a book called Letters to Ashley, where his daughter was in a year of treatment for an eating disorder. And he started keeping a journal. And what I tell dads is, if you either are estranged from your daughter, which happens sometimes either due to divorce, you mm-hmm. know, where, where mom is taking the kids away from dad a couple states away, or, um, or, or for whatever reason, there's, there's distance, is if you buy a journal, you can get them online, you can go to Target, um, you go anywhere. Uh, you, I just went to Cracker Barrel. Actually, we just got one, and who knew? My husband likes that from the Midwest, and we just got one out here in Oregon. They have really good journals in their little gift shops. So what I'm seeing is they're they're anywhere. And if you started to keep a journal, a physical journal, where if you're you have distance from your daughter or your son, you begin to write in it and you date it. It becomes like a time capsule, where you could say, "Hey, I just thought of." something that just popped in my mind is, you know, I remember the day I brought you home from the hospital and this is what it was like for me. When I looked in your eyes, I was like mush and, you know, like you're telling her things you remember about her or him. And, or maybe you say, Hey, today, you know, I went to a, you know, trailblazer game. That's our, you know, NBA here. And it reminded me of like, maybe you being in your mom's tummy when we, when I first went to get, like you tell her things she wouldn't know. Otherwise, if you didn't tell her these stories, or maybe you say, here's things I dream for you or pray for you or wish for you, or here's what I love about your personality. And I do, I have prompts like this in the book about what it could look like to write a letter to your daughter, maybe short or text, like tell her what, it, what her name means and why that name, that description, how that is something you see describing her because our mm-hmm. name is tied to our identity. But I think for dads with with kids that are at a distance, obviously texting is a big thing. Doing videos is a big thing. But I think that idea of a journal in a technological world where we don't always have something tangible, maybe just start with a card. Who knew? Snail mail. But I had one dad in my group. It's cool said, when you get a card in the mail now where so it's not right? just marketing. It's from someone you care about. They're like, that, man, it's cool. Get with handwriting. Note. In fact, my dad has this thing where he makes cards 
he bought like a some template that you can get off online that says, you know, so it already has the grid of the card. And then he'll add in pictures of me from that year for my birthday or Valentine's. I have saved every single one. But again, a lot of cards, you know, depending on if you're not a dad that's inclined to that, don't worry. But you go get a card and you, in your own handwriting, write to her and send it to her two states away. I guarantee she will save that because a dad in the group, he's like, my daughter's 13. Olivia's not really into that kind of stuff. She's all with her friends right now. He said like two weeks after he gave her a handwritten card, he went, it was on the top of her stack. He goes, I thought she would hide it away because her friends go in her bedroom like my dad gave me the card. Nope. It was on the top of the stack. So dad, think practical written words. Your daughter and your son will carry those. I guarantee you for life. And if you're estranged, write stuff in that book for the time when you know you could give your daughter that book. Can you imagine, Sean, like, let's say there's a five-year estrangement. And when they reconnect, dad hands her this book and says, I want you to see for years, I thought of you. I remembered things we He has a time capsule. So she could never say, you didn't think of me. It's like it's dated in real time. What do you Mm. think? What do you think the impact would be to her heart? That would go a long way towards repairing five years of not being in touch. Yep. I guarantee you if there was a house fire, that's the book she'd pick up and run out with. You know, I I want that one forever. Mm. Is that practical enough? (laughs) That is good. I like it. Yeah, those are good, good, good suggestions. Um, One other thing I want to ask you. You um, you emphasize the importance of talking with you know dads and daughters talking about anything and everything. Um, do you have any suggestions for talking about some of the more serious topics out there, um, whether it's sex, addiction, bullying, um, self-image? Any suggestions on covering those topics? Mm-hmm. So, like you just mentioned, all of those are in the book because. You know, everything from same-sex attraction to cutting to suicide, depression, anxiety, parents' affairs, divorce, loss of a pet or a loved one, um, all what I would call the deeper end, right, of the pool. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, some of that is in the look section. Some of it is in the lament section, which is just an old-fashioned word. I needed an L word for grief and loss. And sometimes, you know, when a, when a daughter is melting down, it triggers a dad's own lack in that area, maybe of emotional literacy or competence. So he's like, you know, I'm not the guy for the job. I'm gonna let her cry and let mom go in or, but dad, if I really believe if you have a script in front of you that knows how to ask her questions about the topic, it'll give you a different focus. So you don't maybe have to look straight, straight on in her eyes. You can kind of look down at the book, let her <laughs> see like, honey, I don't know how to do this. In fact, I have all the starts of how to introduce the, each question that says, hi, honey. So you're being honest and bold, like upfront. I don't know how to have this conversation with you about, you know, sexual harassment. That's really not in my wheelhouse. So I have this book written by a woman who's helping guide our conversation. Would you be okay going through that with me? She might go, dad, this is so stupid. I know. Could you throw me a bone? I'm wanting to work on being a better dad to you. And having like somebody coach me through this kind of hard conversation, I, I kind of don't know what to say. So I'd rather say something with the words in front of me. 
And mm. so say that the words there, ask her, have you ever seen a friend of yours be harassed as a woman, cat calls? Do you know any, any friend of yours that that's ever happened to? Most will say, absolutely. It happens every day at school or at work. I mean, I have so many stories I could keep you going here on stuff that didn't feel right, but I didn't know what to do with it. Mm. Just go, I don't feel good with that comment. Or I have said, I have had confrontation though. Now that I'm older, I I'm not mm. afraid, but for a lot of years it just stayed in. And so for a dad to say, you know, start with friends. Have you had any friends? Then it might be coming closer. Has that ever happened to you? And very specific questions. Can you tell me the story? I want to hear it. How did it make you feel when he said that or did that or touched you that way? Or, you know, like, and some dads have gone, I'll kill the guy. You know, yeah. I, in fact, I have a sister who was raped and my dad said, it's a, I literally would be in jail because I would fly to Arizona. I would track him down. I would kill the guy, yeah. you know, put some expletives in there. And, and my dad was a pastor at the time, mind you. He's like, I don't even I, care. I can imagine. Yeah. That I would will be a... go to jail. Yeah. And so I think really in many ways, Sean, I wrote this book partly out of a desire that I wish my dad would have had a lot of these conversations with me, but he mm. didn't know, you know, my dad's 82. He didn't grow up in an era where you knew how to keep the conversation going. And then, you know, you add in the fact that not only that, but you know, then, then he's thrown into having four daughters, no sons going, where's the playbook. I don't know what to do. And so how can a dad keep the conversations going on these topics? Um, I'm going to give dads even a practical way to keep the question and, and answer and response conversations going. You that, want that? That's a good one because I think anyone who's been married for more than a few years knows that guys want to jump in and solve the problem. And oftentimes the women want to just be heard and vent. And so I can imagine that we might try to uh, shortcut to the end of the conversation when our daughter starts opening up on something, but maybe you've got some pointers or questions yes. that help us to keep it rolling. I'm really glad you said that because one, you're normalizing this for men going, this is kind of what we do because I think it, it, we call it window of tolerance in my field of psychology that we, we all have a, a window that only opens so wide of what we can tolerate. So when and, it's and let it, me pause yeah. and just say we're speaking in generalizations and um, that anything, there's always exceptions right. and we're not being politically correct on oh, all this. But, I appreciate that. But, uh, yeah. You know, yeah. So right. I think there's still value in, in generalizations when it's not harmful because, in, you know, there are certain tendencies people tend to have some. I, I, I'm so glad you said that. You're right. Cause somebody could be shutting me off right now going, I'm so offended that you are making that generalization, Michelle. And I, you're right. I have had many dads in my group over the last 10 years in my groups that are way more emotionally attuned. They either were married to or are married to. So you're absolutely right. It's, this is not down, you know, down the lane, but, but more often than not, I've had men very honestly admit to me this is not my skill set, strength, the strength of my skill set. And so I'm saying, just know that you can, any of us can expand what we can tolerate if we commit to the process. And it may be, Dad, that you, you can only handle about three minutes of your daughter's emotion, but the mm. next time you go four minutes, like literally yeah. you may look at your clock and go, like you just gradually expand that, right? Your capacity to sit longer. So ask me your question again about the pointers that you think would be helpful. Do you think learning how to ask good questions 
Could I address that? Yeah, no, I think when, um, let's say it's on a, a serious topic, like the one we were talking about, if so, asking, you know, do you have a friend who's been, um, you know, verbally abused or have you been verbally, it'd be real quick for me to be like, who did it when? Like, you know, <laughs> yes, <laughs> do yes. I know where this person is? Um, so you, you, it sounded like you said you, there's a script that continues on because the, the questions you mentioned in the script isn't, aren't the second and third questions that I was thinking of. <laughs> If there was a yes right. in there. Yeah. And you're right. I'd be like, where is he? How do we, and you're like, I forgot to ask her how that made her feel. Yeah, exactly. It's about herself now, how that's generalized to other men, how she views authority or, it, you know, you're right. So that's why the scripts in the book, I'm, I'm leading that way. But for those dads that want a practical way to stay with the hard conversations or any conversation, here's a couple tips that I've made up that I think have, been helpful to men that they tell me have been helpful is in order to ask a good question again can you believe in my one of my first counseling school you know getting my master's in counseling one of the first things I learned in 101 was how to ask good questions why don't we teach this to the general population right not just to someone who does this for a living so I'm going to teach dads a couple tricks so they don't have to go to grad school and they can literally put this in their fathering toolbox today with anyone in their life. And it will help mm. is when you're listening, listen for the key word of the sentence or the last word or couple words of the sentence. So let's role play right here. So say, Sean, you know, you're the daughter, I'm the dad, I'm picking you up from school. And I go, you know, you're 17 and I go, Hey honey, how was school today? And you go fine. Okay, we did not rehearse this ahead of time, but you're spot on. Like one word, I'm not really into this conversation, Dad. Just get me home, you know. Or oh, I yeah, said I'm 17. Someone as we as we talk. <laughs> no, you know what? In all honesty, I would say she'd have to be 14. You're right, because she doesn't have her license. If she's 17, she's driving herself. But 14. So she's like, fine. So a dad might say, Oh, good. I'm glad you had a good day. He gets home. Mom goes, Hey, how was her day? And you as a dad go, Yeah, it was fine. She said. The fine is a non-answer answer on Venus. Do you men know that? Like, yeah. and you're thinking if she wanted to say more, she would tell me. And we're thinking if you wanted to know more, you would ask me. Right. Men read lines. Mm. Women read between lines. So dad, when she says my day was fine, that makes it really easy for you. Cause there's only one key word in that sentence. There's only one last word of that sentence. So then you go back to those basics you learned in elementary school. Who, what, when, where, why, how. Pick one of those words and add it to the keyword. So you say, what about your day was fine? Ah. She might say, oh, well, choir was really good today. What's the keyword in the sentence, Sean? Choir. Bingo. So you go, what happened in choir? Sometimes men are working way too hard. They're like, so like, how was Jim today? Like, no, that's too, you had to think of a whole hard question on your own. Just listen to what she said and go, what happened in choir? Well, you remember that guy, Sean, that say that she's a real talker and you're lost in this one. Remember that guy, Sean, or Sean, I'll say Aaron, I'll pick a different name. Aaron that I really like in choir. Well, like he was there today and he started looking at me and I was dying because he laughed and all my friends saw and then I turned red and then the teacher looked at me and I was totally dying and then she called on me and I couldn't even think. And you're off and, and dad's like, I have no idea what to say. You said so many words. I'm two exits back on the freeway. What was mm. a, it, there's no one key word. 
But what were a couple key words in that huge monologue? Um, I'm putting you on the spot, the, Dad. I'm preparing you. Dude, the, the other kid, Aaron. Um, yep. Big one. Go with that one. Go with that yep. one. What could you ask them with Aaron as a keyword? Mm. Tell me about Aaron. Bingo. Bingo. So like a flower, she will open up and go, you heard me. And you're like, oh my goodness, I missed a lot of that. But I did the best I could to hang in there. So dad, if you want on a hard conversation to hang in there with your daughter, because you might have your own triggers going on where you're like, this is more than I wanted to know. I don't want to know about your sexual relationship. Mm, it's actually really helpful for you to hear some of that for her to learn to talk it out, ask you questions. You'll mm-hmm. find she'll come to you and go, dad, is this all guys? Or is this just like that? You know, because you're listening to her. In fact, my new husband said, you should call your book, your book. Let's talk and listen. It was like, I mean, I say in my book, listening is a way that you esteem your daughter. You build her self-confidence by listening, which you just said. It's a way bigger gift than a lot of dads would realize. But sometimes dads don't know what active listening looks like. No one teaches that in school. But it means you lean forward. You nod your head up and down. You turn off your phone or turn off the remote. So it's not just during a commercial. It's with her through the entirety of the conversation as best you can If you really need a break, you might go, oh, Ann, can I press pause for a sec? I just need to go use the restroom or I just need to go get a glass of water. Even if you don't, but you're like, I am so flooded. Go get some air. Come back for round two. Just think of it as another quarter, fourth quarter, third quarter in a game. Like you're like, we all take breaks. And then you come back and go, okay, pick up where you left off. I'm back, you know, and ask a question. Do you think that's practical enough to say, dad, listen for the keyword or the last word? of the sentence, like she might, the last part might be, and I was dying because the teacher looked at me and called on me and I didn't know what to say. You could repeat back what she just said. What was that like when the teacher looked at you and you didn't know what to say? Yeah. It isn't even hard work. I like that. Pick a word, pick one of the keywords or the last phrase and then add a who, what, where, when, why, whatever. Yeah. Because it's, uh, we paint ourselves into a corner with stupid yes, no questions. I've, yep. I've started to figure that out with, um, I mean, my kids are still in like, you know, elementary school and I'm like, how was school? Good. And I'm like, all right, I need this is, I got to do something better than this. So I yeah. started to say, tell me about your day or what, you know, anyway. Well, another, another practical one is what was the high point of your day? What was the high of your day? What was the low of your day? And what's something you learned? Yeah. So it's more good. directive because you're right. Asking yes, no questions is really easy to do when we're tired but we don't get anywhere. We don't right. get any information. We don't really get to to listen because there's not much. So how we ask the question is so key to the answer we get, which is why I have hundreds of questions in this book, yeah. 60 different themes. <laughs> so you've got so much in there um, for the average listener who's enjoyed the conversation, um, wanting to apply a little bit, let's say maybe, maybe they buy the book, maybe they don't. But, um, mm-hmm. if we think of the 80, 20 rule on, on dads connecting with daughters, what are the top, like two or three things they can do to get the most impact out of it? Out of what I have as resources or out of their relationship? Yeah. Out of the relationship. Uh, what, what are, what are two or three things you wish every dad knew about oh. and was, was working on. Okay. That's great. I'm going to 
I'm going to say one thing first, because I realized earlier you asked where dads can connect with me and find more resources, you know, and so they can go to my website, which is drmichellewatson.com. Mm -hmm. And I've got a link to the book. I've got free resources, PDFs. You can also listen to the Dad Whisper podcast, again, free, you know, on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or you can watch them, listen to them uh, on my website. So there's that piece first. But now back to your question of, you know, 80-20, where do dads, where do dads start, right? Because a lot of times there's so much information. Yeah, what, what, can, what are our key takeaways from this? Mm -hmm. So dad, if you want to glean from my 10 years of traveling from my planet of Venus to your planet of Mars, I would say number one, drop the anger. It's the quickest way to bruise and shut down the heart of your kids. And dads oftentimes don't realize how loud and intense their voice is. That I've had dads go, that you want to see anger? That wasn't me mad. That was that was a nothing. And yet your daughter's over in a puddle or your son's in a puddle. So I've had dads before say, like, give me one thing. What's your one thing? You've been traveling to, you know, Mars. And I say, drop the anger. That's number mm -hmm. one. Okay. Easier said than done. But do you, did you ever give your kids or do you still give your kids a timeout? Like sometimes, if, I mean, you've heard of that principle. Like if you're three years yeah. old, you get a three minute timeout. If you're five years old, you give a five minute, get a five minute timeout. I say, dad, give yourself a timeout. That's as many minutes as your age. So if you're 50 years old, you need a 50 minute timeout. I'm not kidding. I'm not trying to be mm -hmm. funny. I'm trying to be practical. Like I literally have had dads have counsel that come in and go, I can think of one right now. And he said, I did the 50 minute timeout this week because he came in saying, I am so angry. My wife sent me to you for counseling because I'm destroying my four kids in the home. Nobody wants to be there, but I don't know what to do about it. So this whole idea of take a timeout, dad, and breathe, walk outside if you can. And I could go into some more things about how that helps with the brain to walk with the right, left, kind of like replicating REM sleep, where we do rapid eye movement back and forth with our right, left hemisphere. But get up, get some kind of movement. It will really help to calm your your subjective units of distress, we call it, so that you can be the dad you want to be without anger. So that's the first thing I would say is drop the anger. Number okay. two is try to set a goal every day if possible. That might be a little bit big uh, of a goal, but where you one-on-one -on -one individually connect with each one of your kids. And I always say pursuing the heart of your daughter is something like you said earlier, Sean, may not come as natural right? Like it's, yeah. it's easier to know what their boys might need, you know, a good wrestle. Cause he's crabby. We're going, I don't know what she needs. She's crabby. I don't know. Again, I said, ask the women in your life, but you know what? Better yet on a time, on a day where your daughter isn't triggered, isn't upset on a dad daughter date, you would say, give me 10 ideas that would help me be a better dad to you. And then your daughter gives you those things. Your son gives you those things. So That's that such a good question. I would never think of that. What could I do? Give me three things. Give me 10 things to be a better dad to you. And then mm -hmm. when she's in a crabby mood, after you've dropped the anger, you get to then go and say, she already told me. If you went and got me a Jamba Juice and brought it back, that would be it. Or another kid might say, just give me a back rub. Or you know, one might say, I want a feet rub. You're like, oh gosh, I hate feet. But okay, if that's what relaxes my little kid, my little bumpkin and lets me bond, why would I not do that? You know? So I'd say drop the anger, number one. Every day, at least every week, find a way to pursue the heart, which is that emotional space of knowing we're loved. Every mm -hmm. single day, it might be a quick text. 
if your kid's in college. It might be a little handwritten smiley face. In fact, let me give another practical one that supports a dad pursuing the heart of his daughter and his son. But for a lot of us as women, mirrors are not our best friend. I look in a mirror and see every single singles, every single sinking flaw, everyone. And it's like the voice in my head gets activated with a mirror. And it's like, you fat, you ugly. Maybe not ugly, but it might be specific things. Too many wrinkles, too fat, this or that, right? Uh, Yeah. You ever hear that from from women you've known that they are like, this is wrong with me, this is wrong with me, you know? I think it's a common trend for for everyone and and women can have that as well, yeah. And yet a lot of men, again, I'm not trying to overgeneralize, but I'm just talking about from my experience is a lot of men look in a mirror, either don't look in the mirror. My Alba Project co-leader says, I don't even look in my mirror, the mirror every day. I'm like, I just get out of the shower and go. So either it's that side of the, you know, of the continuum or it's dads that literally are more wired to say, I look in the mirror and I'm going, looking pretty good today. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you want some of this, you know? And so it, it, gross generalization, but I found it tends to kind of be more that way that women see every flaw. So dad, if you want a way to pursue the heart of your daughter, go get sticky notes or a dry erase marker and write on the actual mirror that she looks at, whether it's her bathroom mirror, her bedroom mirror, even if she's a driver, you could put on the rearview mirror of the car or the inside mirror that says a positive affirming thing. Do you know how much I love you today? Do you know how glad I am to be your dad? I'm so proud of you for, I just had a dad send me a picture where he wrote all across from the left of the big bathroom mirror to the, to the whole right side. I mean, sentences with the felt pen. When he heard this idea, he went out that day. It was a Twitter thing. He wrote me, I said, can I share your story? He goes, absolutely. And he applauded her for giving $85 and 14 cents out of her piggy bank at school to the boy with leukemia. And he wrote that on there. I'm so proud of you for that thing. And then he took a picture because he wanted me to be proud of him, you know, but I'm saying, dad, if you write on your daughter's mirror, the very one where the negative messages are, and you're affirming her, I've seen daughters. I mean, it goes all the way into her heart. In fact, I think of Brittany where I went to her house five months after dad wrote sticky notes all the way down, like colored down her mirror, like the top one said, Brittany, You know, you are the next one, special, loved, adored, cherished, you know, love dad. Five months later, she did not take it off her mirror. Wow. Dad's going, I can't believe she even cared about that. I'm like, welcome to my planet. So there's another practical way you're going, what do you want to leave dads with? It's drop the anger because your daughters then are afraid of you and don't want to get close to you. So if you want your daughter to be close to you, that right. has to really be a thing of yesterday as much as you can. We all get angry. I, I tend to be prone that way myself. But sure. if take a time out then if you're more prone that way, get some breath, come back, and then you won't say something you regret. And then pursue her heart every day. And maybe that message is on mirrors. Idea will be a practical way that you can really engage her heart. And I had a dad give me an idea that I hadn't thought of when he heard me give this idea. He travels a lot for work. He now said he goes into the bathroom at the hotel and writes on the mirror and takes a photo and then texts it to his daughter in real time. That's brilliant. So there you go. Is that practical? Yeah, (laughs) that is good. That is good. And, um, you know, anger is something we can all relate to. And um, I, I mean, 
it's tough to say what is the typical dad like, but I think, you know, it, we're all uh, biased by our own experiences and our observations and, and repeated encounters. Um, and I'm wondering maybe, um, maybe anger is more common than I would think, or, or maybe it's that as a, um, you know, as a therapist and a counselor, um, you, you see clients who tend to have some of those challenges, but I think everyone certainly gets frustrated and, and, and we can all take home the fact that like when I'm, when I'm mad in the house, automatic disconnect from the people I love. So yeah. taking the time to go on a walk, taking the time to just clear your head before you do something stupid. Typically you can make a smarter yeah. decision on the way back in the door. There you go. Couldn't have said it better. <laughs> go, Sean. All right. Hey, before we go, a couple questions yeah. want to wrap up. Tell me about sure. a failure or significant obstacle that you've been through just in life in general that kind of set you up for later success. Great question. You ready for vulnerable? Okay, we've been talking now for a while. So, you know, those listening hopefully can tell that I I love kind of going from the heart. So I'm gonna I'm gonna share a heart story. But I have a pretty extensive sexual abuse history. And the last place I might have ever thought I would land is leading a group of 12 men a year. Mm. And I have a co-leader. So it's 13 men and me. Seated in a room, you know, at, I do this out of my house. I counsel out of my house. And I, I think about the fact that I'm there with 13 men and it's safe and they're listening to me and we honor each other and it's reparative and restorative. And now there's nowhere I would rather be. Literally, I don't, I don't tend to go to women's conferences anymore. I hold out for the men that are going to invite me to their tribe because it's, that's holy ground to me. And so you know, I might not have said my abuse would have set me up for later success, but really for me, a lot of my healing has been with Jesus. And that might be uncomfortable for some men to hear, oh, she's one of those. I'm not a Bible thumper. I'm just telling my story because, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and that's your story. Yeah. And I had a counselor that would, you know, ask me, where's Jesus in this memory? I'm like, you've got the wrong person. Like he doesn't show up to really extensive sexual, you know, kind of gang rape situations, like with groups, you know, of, of violators. And yet that's where a lot of my healing came. And I had a counselor that let me feel the feels and tell the stories. And she believed me and she heard me. And this kind of wiped out the bulk of my thirties, Sean. I mean, my thirties wow. were not my favorite year. That's, you know, I, that's when you get, tend to get married and date, I mean, twenties and thirties, but I had so many triggers around men that I'm like, I, I, can imagine. I just can't get close to them. Either, I think people either fall on the promiscuous side or the frigid side. And I was on more of that distant side. Mm -hmm. And yet in the restorative process now, I, I hug men coming and going and I don't cop a feel and they can tell it isn't some seductive thing. It's healthy. And it's like, come on, come here. I'm championing you. And it's awesome and it's safe. And now, you know, Again, like, I don't know if the word would be set me up for later success, but I would say for a later calling, for a later mm. privilege. Yeah, I mean, I would say success in the sense that, look, your life experience impacted you in a way that you then uh, wanted to go into being a counselor uh, later yes. in life. And, and then a topic that is truly changing lives. So, um, you know, you'd uh, out of out of a terrible situation, you have made a lot of good, uh, and as a result, and you would never wish that, uh, 
experience on anyone else. And if we could go back, we'd certainly try to avoid it. But uh, that's it, it happened. Nothing we can do about it. But as a, you know, you you have that uh, you've you've changed lives. So that's that's awesome. Yeah. And, and, you know, forgiveness has been a huge part of that, which isn't easy. It's a process, you know, and yet now here. Yeah, I get to hear stories and be invited into that sacred space of hearing the pain. And, you know, I think we all have lies that get embedded in the wounds, you know, like I'm not worthy. I'm not desirable. I'm unlovable. I'm a mm-hmm. piece of trash. That was one of mine. That's what I thought was so interesting that I used to do garbage runs and dig in trash to find a treasure. I'm like, oh, it only I only realized this about two years ago. I'm like, oh, my goodness, that's my life story. I did really feel like I was kind of a piece of trash. And yet there's been healing now. And I'm like, yay. You know, I wasn't just a throwaway. There's purpose. And, you know, I yeah. find that because of the high statistics now to sexual abuse, you know, I would easily say it's at least 50 percent of our population has some level of that kind of trauma is a yeah. lot of the dads are in my groups going, what do I say? Like I found just found out that, you know, she was raped over here or she was sexually violated here. Going, I don't even know how to help her. What do I say? That's why I have questions in the book that say, Dad. Here's how you can enter into that conversation. I'll give you the script. So again, the book, Let's Talk, Conversation Starters for Dads and Daughters, as I want to champion you as dads to get into the deep end of the experiences of your daughter and hear her story and be a healing presence to show her there are good guys out there that don't violate, that listen, that care, that esteem, affirm, you know? So there yeah. you go. How's that for a real answer for your to your question? That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And, um, I used to, I used to kind of doubt the statistics when you hear like, Oh, 40 or 50% of, of women have, um, been sexually abused in some way. But then I found out someone very, very close to me was, um, abused as a child by one of her four brothers. And I'm like, I know all four of those brothers and I'm glad I don't know which one of them did this because I would be mm-hmm. ready to attack them. And um, yeah. even though it's been 50 years, you know, yeah. um, anyway, but the, there's real pain that comes from, you know, so it's like the long healing process and uh, self-worth really challenged in those situations. So I'm, I'm glad that you've, you've been uh, able to go on a healing journey there and also put in some resources to help others. So thank you. Um, all right. What is, um, Last, last little question here. Any, um, any good, uh, shows or podcasts that you've li- been listening to lately that you want to plug, uh, you recommend others listening to? Yeah. You know, one I love is dad tired by my friend, Jared Lopes, who lives in this area. And he was actually going to do a whole cruise of dad tired guys. And then COVID hit, you know, but it was like rock on, but you know, he's a dad in the trenches with young ones. And you know, you're maybe a dad who's tired. So that's, that's a great <laughs> yeah. one. Dad tired. Obviously, I love the the dad lane um, for podcasts. Another one is my friends, Diane and Phil Comer, and it's called Intentional Parenting. So, you know, it's another one that's great for parents that are like, oh, I don't know what to do. So there's just a couple ideas I could go on, but I'm all okay. about equipping fathers. Where can you steer them? So that I always say they don't have to ask for directions. They're just right there. Makes it easier. Yeah, yeah. Um, now you said people, if they're looking to find you, can reach you on drmichellewatson.com. Uh, exactly. Yep. You can email then, me there or, you know, download free resources, listen to podcasts or go cool. to Spotify, Google play iTunes, where I have the dad whisper. 
That's awesome. Yep. And you said the book is $200. Is that right? <laughs> I, yeah, it's on sale now. Yeah, real. Yeah, it's at Amazon or any book distributor. Or you can uh, go to my website, drmichellewatson.com. There's a link for the book, Let's Talk. So, yep. Okay. And it's, it's already. I was kidding about $200, but uh, <laughs> maybe yeah, $200 in value. Oh, oh, that was a really good reframe. I like how you took that and went with it. That was great. Well, it's been so fun to talk with you, Sean. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. I hope you have a great day. Thank you. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoyed the show, please consider telling someone about the podcast. You could talk to someone or send a text message. You could even fold them a sweet origami swan that has dad conversations written inside it. Or you could share an episode on social media, maybe even write a review of the podcast on your podcasting app. If you think the podcast sucks, that's totally cool. And I want to know why. Please send me any constructive criticism, such as a new question you'd like me to ask or a request to stop saying um. Also, feel free to send unconstructive hate mail or whatever's on your mind. You can find me at Sean Radvansky on LinkedIn or DM Dad Conversations on Twitter. Whatever you do, I hope you have a great day.